G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. If you're going to win the battle and the victory and ultimately the war, you've got to resolve to win the war before the battle begins. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining me again on Today with Jeff Vines. My name is Bill and in this episode, Pastor Jeff is finishing a message about conquering the unseen world. We're in John chapter 8 and we're looking at the battle that rages in the spiritual and physical worlds and how we recognise its influence and overcome it. Let's continue this message now on Today with Jeff Vines. If you look at the word Satan in the Old Testament, it's the Hebrew translated Satan, but you know what it means? You know what Satan's name means? It means accuser. That's his gift. And I think of this, and I remember when the whole team goes down to Maryville, and we're going to play this summer college camp. And have you ever been at a point in your life when you're just really a bit, you're you're, you're weary of doing good? Am I the only one? Sometimes you get weary of doing the right thing because it's easier just to do the wrong thing. So you get tired of making the effort. And I'm at a point in my life in high school when my friends are making fun of me, they're ridiculing me, and I'm just tired of it. And there's a, there's a voice in me that says, take revenge. Now, where does that come from? Not from God, right? But I was weak. I was tired. My roommate came to me and said, Jeff, I, I noticed that these guys are just giving you a hard time. Why don't you get them back, man? Get them back. I said, well, how? He said, well, they're all going to go to dinner tonight after the last game. Why don't you just... Why don't you get somehow break into their rooms and vandalize them? Not, not vandalize beyond repair, but in our team situation, our agreement, two things. Number one, that we'd keep our rooms tidy. And if coach caught your room untidy, you're going to run suicides until you drop. And the second thing is, whoever your roommate is, he's accountable for what you do. That was his policy. You're responsible for anything your roommate does. My roommate, Lee Nave, came to me and said, Jeff, why don't you get these guys back? So it began with a lie. I told the janitor that I locked my keys in my room and I needed master key. When I got the master key, I unlocked eight rooms. (laughs) I went from room to room while they were out having a good time. And I got to tell you, I'm just telling you, sin can be fun. I didn't, I know, and no one ever said sin is not fun. Sin, sin has a fun. It just doesn't show you the whole picture. And I put shaving cream on the mirrors. I put toothpaste in the keyhole. I upturned their bed. I had their box springs. I had chairs out the window. I had it. I mean, it was a mess. There's only one little problem with this whole scenario. The whole team went out to dinner, but coach did not. And he caught me on the eighth and final room. He came in and he said to me, Jeff, 
what are you doing? And you could tell the way he was looking at me. I would never suspect you, which is why I wanted to say that's exactly why I'm doing it. <laughs> and he immediately called me into his office or his room and he says, where's your accountability partner? I said, well, he stayed back too. Go get him. So I went, Lee, coach wants to talk to us. We go in the office. He said, I don't know what to say. I, I just, I'm, I'm just, I'm a loss for words, but you know, there's going to be punishment. And he looked at my friend Lee and he said, Lee, why would this happen? I mean, it's not, why, how could something like this happen? And Lee Nave looked at coach, my roommate, and said, coach, I really can't believe Jeff would do this. <laughs> it's so unlike him. You ever had a friend like that? Now here's, again, I know it's a humorous story, but it's the best way I could relate to you what the Bible says about the evil. Do you know what he does? Here's what he does. First, he plays the role of encourager. You can do it. Do this, man. Everybody does it. You're entitled to it. Look, nobody's going to find out. Go ahead, man. You deserve it. Come on, man. Violate what you know is right. It's going to feel great. Go ahead, go ahead. And then you do. And you know what he does? As soon as you do, he steps across the line and plays role of accuser. Then he says, I can't believe you did that. What were you thinking? You don't even deserve to be a Christian. You're a hypocrite. You need to leave the church and those Christian people. They'll find you out. Leave, leave, leave. And it just comes down like a flood of accusation. I hate that guy. It's exactly what he does. And it's only as I've gotten older that I've learned when he starts reminding me of my past, I remind him of his future. All right, here's the deal. Here's the, now we know what it is according to the Bible. We have deceit, intimidation, and accusation, but that, that's only part of it. Now, how do we win? Now, I want you to stay with me. Follow along. Number one, if you're going to win the, the battle and the victory and ultimately the war, you've got to resolve to win the war before the battle begins. If you have any hope at all of defeating the enemy, and not allowing the voices to debilitate you and to take you down a road of destruction. You've got to resolve to win the war before the battle begins. When I go to Rwanda, it's next Sunday, by the way. Whew, it's counting down. Turmoil's getting a little bit heavy. You guys better be praying for your senior pastor. And so as I go over there and board that plane after this service next weekend, I'll meet my friend Anastas, but I'll also meet my other friend I haven't told you about, I don't believe, Pius. What a name, right? How would you like that to be your name? Pius. And Pius told me the story of when the genocide began that there was one priest who locked all of his church members inside the building in the church on Sunday. And most of his congregation were Tutsis. And if you remember the story, the Hutus murdered and slaughtered the Tutsi tribe. But the priest himself was a Hutu. So he was safe. But he locked all his congregation members in his church. And about 40, 50 men came with their machetes. They came to the front of the church on a Sunday. It's nothing sacred. And said, hand over, hand over the crowd and we'll let you go. And this Hutu pastor who could have saved himself, you think about it, stepped forward and he looked at the crowd of men and he said, I will not hand my sheep over to the wolves. And they killed him and everyone inside. And you said, a lot of good that did. Oh, no, no, no. Word spread about his bravery and courage so that even though 800,000 to a million did die, hundreds of thousands were saved by the church, by priests, by pastors who hid the Tutsi tribes out in the swamps. Can I do that? I wonder sometimes. One day, extremists come to San Dimas and all of you guys are in here and I'm outside and the doors are locked. And he says, he says, hand over the flock and we'll let you go. Could, could I do it? 
You know? I don't know. You wanted me to say, yeah, I would. You better believe it. I don't know. But I do know this. If I wait to when it happens to make the decision, chances are that I won't do it. Because word found out that this guy met with all the other priests and pastors in a church meeting, and they had already resolved when the day came that they would not give their sheep over to the wolves. They made the decision that they would die before the day came. And here's what I'm saying to you. The only way you're going to defeat the enemy is to make a resolution now that when the voice has come, you've already decided you're going to do the right thing. And I promise you, Joseph in the Old Testament had already decided what he was going to do when Mrs. Potiphar took his clothes off. Because no man is going to make the right decision naked in front of a woman if he tries to make it then. He better make up his mind long before that if the clothes come off, he's going to do the only thing any man could do, run away fast. And that's what he did. You make a resolution that when the website appears on your computer screen, that you click on the X, not the triple X, the single X, and the X will close the window. You resolve beforehand that you're going to be faithful to your husband and wife, even in those times where there's tension between the two. Even when you're not getting along so well, even when you don't feel like she or he's honored you like they have in the past, you make a resolution. This is a line I will not cross. You resolve, young men and women, that you're going to walk across the room when the Spirit of God prompts you to, and you're going to share your faith, knowing that you might be intimidated, knowing you might be ridiculed, but you've already resolved in your heart you're going to do it, and you do. And young men and women, you resolve that you're not going to sleep with your girlfriend or your boyfriend until you're married. Because if you wait till you're in the back seat of the car or at home when your parents are gone and you're about halfway through the act, I don't think one of you are going to say, wait a minute, maybe we should stop. It's too late. It's too late. You resolve beforehand. And that way you don't put yourself in situations where you know the temptation is so strong, there's no turning back. Dana Erickson was a college pastor up in Seattle. But as a college pastor, they lived by a slogan, P-C-O, pre-choose to obey. That's the only way you'll succeed. Now, number two. And folks, let me just have your attention here. Almost done. Stay with me. The second one, I could have preached the entire message on this, this point right here. So I need you to know that there'll be somebody trying to distract you in the same way that he's been trying to distract me since I took this platform this morning. Stay focused. If you're going to win the war, you resolve to lead all voices to the truth. You resolve to lead all voices to the truth. I had a friend at Coffee Clatch say to me, Jeff, I heard your sermon last weekend, but I got a question. He said, I have all kinds of voices in my head. How do I know which ones are from God and which ones are from the evil one? Folks, if you can't distinguish between the voices and you don't know the difference between truth and error, you're sunk. You will not win and you will be resignated to a life of defeat. I'm just telling you the way that it is. And you know, if you don't do what I'm about to show you, you have to do to win, then you're thinking it's possible. It will get so twisted that no one will be able to talk to you. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you sit there thinking the whole time, really? This is the way you think? I don't even know where to start. It's not like we're not on the same page. We're in different libraries. I mean, (laughs) This is crazy. Have you, ever, have you ever heard a politician on the news give a response to a question? You're thinking, really? This is the way you think? And you're thinking, man, you're twisted. And you know what? They are. They are. 
Because if you're not listening to the right voice, it's one barrier after the next barrier after the next barrier that gets broken, and you can't even think, you can't think logically. And I want you to put this illustration in your mind. It's got to be vivid, man, and you remember it for the rest of your life. These ping pong balls represent the bombardment that you get every day in your life from the media, from television, from Hollywood, and all those voices that tell you you're entitled, you can do whatever you want, that you are a law unto yourself, there is autonomy, you answer to no one. By the way, Hollywood is great at editing out the bad stuff. Have you noticed? A guy gets, just gets pummeled one night, next day he looks like a million bucks. I mean, there's no ramifications ever in Hollywood for your activity, right? This is the bombardment. And the only way possible for you to ever have the victory is if you saturate your mind and life with the word of God. And ultimately, if you do that, all the trouble will fall away. <laughs> will fall away, fall away. <laughs> you see the point? This is what the word of God says. The whole world lies under the influence of the evil one. And the only way you're ever going to be victorious is if you saturate your mind with the word of God so that when those things come as lies, you're able to grab yourself by the scruff of the neck and lead yourself to the truth. That's why Paul said what he said in Romans 12, I think verse two, one of the most powerful verses in the Pauline epistles. He says, if you don't want to conform your mind to the way of the world that wants to destroy you, you better be transformed then by the renewing of your mind. You've got to change your brain and the way that you think. You've got to change the way you think so that when you hear a lie, you can escort it to the truth. I love that. By the way, I've said it before, if you saturate your mind with the word of God, two things happen. The first you've heard me say before, second is new. Here's the first. Then the Holy Spirit will activate the right word at the right time to give you victory over what is a lie. You think about it. You're looking across the office. You think she's attractive. Man, I think I could get away with this. I don't think my wife would find out. And about that time, because that thought will come, it's not a sin for the thought to come. You understand that. It's how you deal with it. You're human. You're going to have those thoughts. And then the spirit activates a word like, wow, you're to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Are you doing that right now, Jeff? See, but if you don't have the word in you and your mind's not saturated with the word, the Holy Spirit has no ammunition to release into the situation where deceit is occurring. And he can activate the truth if you've saturated your mind and you will be victorious. But there's a second thing that happens. I love this. If your mind is saturated with the word, then you'll get to see the, Paul Harvey called it, the rest of the story. The devil gives you the edited version, but God will give you the complete and final version. And at that point, when you're thinking about having an affair on your husband or wife, it's interesting. The Holy Spirit lets you see the end. And you think of a life like David, who sinned with Bathsheba, whose life was going all hunky-dory until he sinned against Uriah, the Hittite, and against Bathsheba. And from that point on, it was destruction after destruction. The Holy Spirit will bring that to your mind. Hey, this might look appealing, but remember what happened to David. Remember what happened to David. You know, one of the scariest verses in the Bible to me is Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. You know what that means? Yeah, you'll get forgiven. You will be, but God doesn't step in and stop all the ramifications that will happen because of your sin. She'll still get pregnant. You'll have to answer for what you've done. You may go to prison. I don't know, whatever, you understand? God doesn't promise you that when you do the wrong thing, he'll step in and fix everything. No, you're forgiven and he loves you and your name is in the book of life. 
But man, it's serious business. That's why when somebody comes to me and says, Jeff, I'm trying to do my devotions. I really am. I'm trying to saturate my mind with the word of God. But I go up there and I read for a couple of minutes and then I pray and Jeff, I just don't feel anything. I don't feel anything. All right, listen. Okay, then. You're not doing it to feel something existential. You're doing it because you're in boot camp and you're preparing your mind. You're making an investment that will pay off when the day of evil comes, which is exactly what Paul says. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. And you'll be able to take those voices See, you understand what I'm saying? If you don't know the truth, you're sunk, man. You're exposed. But if you know the truth, you can take the truth and grab yourself by the scruff of the neck and carry yourself to what is real, what is true, and defeat all lie and deceit. It's a beautiful thing. And I think in this series, face to face, God would take your head in his hands and he'd say, look, man, I've gone to great lengths to provide the word for you. Saturate your mind, get into it. If you don't, Jeff, I still love you. You'll still go to heaven, you're still saved. But I'm telling you, you'll lose a lot of battles. Ultimately, real risk the war. Saturate your mind. Without this, without saturating your mind with the word of God, you're exposed. Finally, third, I gotta finish, here we go. Resolve, oh, I love this, I just love this. Listen to the word of God, what it says. This, I love this. We've dealt with the evil one as an intimidator, filled with deceit, but now we approach this whole issue of accusation that he accuses us after he's convinced us to do the wrong thing. Jesus looks at those religious leaders after they accuse him of operating from the dark, unseen world. And he says, you guys, strategically, that makes no sense. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Satan will not cast out Satan. That's ridiculous. And then he says, or how can you break into the strong man's house and take what belongs to him unless you first tie up or bind the strong man? Folks, you know what that means? It means that if Billy Crystal broke into Arnold Schwarzenegger's house. <laughs> Think about it, Billy Crystal, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> back in the day, I'm talking about, back in the day. And Arnold was upstairs sleeping and heard some noise down in the living room. And he ran down and he saw Billy Crystal trying to take his goods. What's Arnold gonna do? He's gonna pummel him. If Billy Crystal wants to take what belongs to Arnold, he's gonna have to first tie up Arnold, restrict him, bind him in some way, and then he can plunder his house. This is beautiful. Jesus says, there is a prince to the power of the air, but if you're a child of God, no need to be afraid. No need to fear. Because Jesus said, my work on the cross bound the devil. He's restricted. And he's restricted in two primary ways. Number one, he has no power over you anymore. No. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You don't have to walk away afraid. He can put his head up and his neck back. But the Bible says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and what? Self-discipline. You saturate your mind with the word of God. When the day of evil comes, you'll win the victory. He'll only be victorious insofar as you're ignorant of the word or you allow him to be. But he has no ultimate power over you. Can't destroy you. But it's the second part I like. And I want you to hear me. It's not only the guilt and the power. It's not only the power that's been removed. 
according to the Bible, he no longer has the authority to accuse you of anything. Revelation 12, we learn that he's been cast out of heaven. And when he says, hey, have you considered my servant or your servant rather, Jeff Vines? Man, he's got issues. And what does God say? Talk to the hand. Been taken care of on the cross. Folks, do you realize what I'm saying right now? Do you realize that there is no other offer? Nobody, there is no atonement. There is no savior other than in Christianity. Do you realize that? And you know what the Bible says here? It says that I don't care what you've done. Now I care, but in context, if you're in here and you've been addicted to pornography for 30 years, if you've served a prison term for whatever, murder, rape, as horrific as it is, and I will agree that it is, no matter what you've done, you know what the Bible says? If you humble yourself and you go to the cross, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Zero. The devil's got nothing on you. And you are saved not by how good you are, but on what Jesus did for you. And all he asks is for a little humility to admit that what you did was wrong. And today can be a new day and his mercies will be new tomorrow. And every time, folks, every time, children of God, that you're at work and you blow it, you say something you wish you hadn't said, gossip where you shouldn't have gossiped, looked at something you shouldn't have looked at, I want you to take this out of your pocket. And I want you to hold it in your hand. And I want you to say there is no condemnation for those in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean you do it again and say, well, there's no, 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 no. It means that you ask for forgiveness and you go and sin no more. But if you do fail, when you do, you hold it. There is no condemnation. Can you say that? There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those in Christ. Do you believe that? Then you take that and you hold it and you never let it go. Because he might intimidate us. Doesn't have any power over us. He can deceive us, but I'll saturate my mind with the word of God and I'll lead those feelings and emotions and lies to the truth. And he may try to accuse me when I do fail. He's got nothing on me. I'm forgiven because of the blood of Jesus and so are you. Father, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for opening our eyes to the truth of scripture. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you've given away whereby we can win this battle and ultimately the war. Thank you that you love us and that you do not turn your back on us. Thank you that there is forgiveness for whatever we've done through the cross. If we will but humble ourselves and walk the road that comes home. I pray by your spirit right now, you would draw us into yourself. My prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. And that's the end of our message all about conquering the unseen world. I hope it's given you some practical Christ-led steps to overcome spiritual and physical challenges in this world. Next time we'll hear a new message from Pastor Jeff about God's gift of grace. Therefore, as we have been buried with Him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too might walk in a newness of life. He's saying Jesus' body was different after the resurrection from the way it was before the resurrection. Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. 
just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.